0: Well, let's uh, let's get our Bibles. Let's go together to the book of Second Timothy, chapter three. Megan alluded to this. We're going to be anchoring nearby in this chapter. Just want to say from the beginning, I'm so grateful for our family of churches. I, I hope, even though pastors see this maybe uh, more often, I, I hope you can see the value of our friendship and our fellowship with Sovereign Grace. Uh, in fact, just. Reminds me to ask for your prayers. So tomorrow, Nate, Andrew, Josh, myself will be leaving for South Dakota for our regional assembly of elders. where We'll be gathering with other pastors from across our region for times of prayer and teaching and fellowship and encouragement. So would you pray for us, please, as as we're gone through, I think, Wednesday of next week? We would appreciate that. And then this this little white book that you're holding on to is another reason I'm grateful for our family of churches, because... Uh, Over a period of years, uh, pastors in Sovereign Grace, including your pastors, uh, were involved in feedback and praying over and discussing and even debating different things about our statement of faith. That again, our goal was not to come up with anything new, but to be more faithful to what is in scripture. And as we hold these things in common as a family of churches, that we would be able to have this not just for our sake, though that is true but that we would be able to pass it on to generations to come, that we would have gospel centered churches that are vibrant in our country and around the world, in our generation and in our kids and our grandkids' generation. Isn't it our prayer that when we're gone, our kids are vibrant worshipers of Jesus and they're focusing on the gospel, keeping the main thing the main thing. So that's, that's the heartbeat behind our statement of faith. Now, you may be wondering to yourself why, why Scott, are you going to take basically the summer and walk through this? Um, some people can become hesitant when they hear about churches using creeds or statements of faith, and it can almost feel like it's competing with, with Scripture as an authority. And so, let me just speak to that briefly the word creed is Latin for credo, which means we believe. And so there's a very basic meaning behind that. And and how creeds and statements of faith have been so helpful and so beneficial to the, the church throughout generations when they are rooted in God's word. That's just indisputable. Uh, examples like the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, things that you may even memorize in growing up in church. These statements help summarize what is vital about our faith, even things that can be hotly debated inside the church, among Christians, that we can be clear on the person of God and His nature. We can be clear on His word. And salvation in Christ and, and how the church is to live and who we are to be in him. It's interesting how the Bible itself uses summary statements, things like 1 Timothy 3.16. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Summary statements like 1 Corinthians 15, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Even Jesus himself used summary statements to clarify and to teach like one in Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So in in that mentality, in that tradition, and in, in the example that we're given in scripture, that's how we approach our statement of faith, as a summary, a helpful teaching tool that we can teach ourselves, that we can teach our children, to ultimately point them to God's Word and expound more deeply on those beautiful truths that we hold dear. Now, if we are creating something like this that's not anchored in Scripture, toss it out. It's a distraction. But because this is so replete with Scripture, it can be a helpful Tool and so today, that's where our focus is going to be. We're going to be, we're going to be looking at God's word, and we're going to grow in the affection for God's word. That's my my goal today. It's not setting up fifty reasons uh, to so you can debate your neighbor who's not a Christian as to why they should believe the Bible. That can be a helpful conversation. My goal today is just to move the needle a little bit that we would grow to love the Bible as God's word. That's my goal today. So with that, let's read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And then we're going to pray and ask for God's help. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for the gift of your written word this morning. But, Lord, not simply as a book, not simply as rules. We are grateful because, Lord, you have revealed yourself. Jesus, you have made yourself known to us. And you help us daily through the Holy Spirit to understand what you have written and apply it to our lives. Lord, we ask for that now. As we are gathered together as your people to worship in your word, Holy Spirit, meet us with clarity and joy and affection for our Lord and for his word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mike Delcavo was a young man in college, super excited to represent Western State College in the NCAA final championships of track and field. And so he had his, his race was the six-mile cross country. He had been studying his particular course that he was going to run, been studying it for weeks. And so the gun goes off, and they're all running in a pack, as they typically would, you know, for the first few miles. And because Mike had studied the course so closely, he recognized when the whole pack was running and missed their turn. He recognized as the pack was, was running, they were running in the wrong direction. He only recognized that because he studied the course. And so what Mike did was he stopped and peeled off from the group and yelled, you're going the wrong way. And he ran the right way. Now, out of 128 runners, only four people followed Mike on the right course and crossed the finish line with him. Now, you and I, we we can relate to this picture because it can feel like in this race that we're running, which the Bible calls our walk with Christ sometimes a race, that it can feel like we are looking for the right way we're looking for the right direction. Even when we've got the big categories clear, like who Jesus is and what he's done, sometimes how that applies to life gets a little fuzzy, gets a little unclear. And especially when we're looking around at people in the culture or even people in the church can be living according to their own standards in different ways. And it can just be so confusing. Sometimes we'll just want to throw up our hands and quit. Or we might be tempted just to lower our heads and just run with everybody else without noticing if it's the right way or not. Well, God wants to make it clear. And that's just one of the beautiful reasons God gives us the Bible. The psalmist says, Lord, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Lord, you show me where I am and you show me where I'm going. And that can be helpful for others as well. God wants us to see his word as that not just roadmap, but he gives us his word to reveal the road maker, to show us who he is as the one who made us, as the one who loves us, as the one who gives us purpose, as the one who sent his son to die for us, the one who promises to return again. And in the middle of all that, how to live out this life in a way that will give him maximum glory and will give us maximum joy. Now, I said my goal was that we would grow to love God's Word more. In fact, here, here's, my, here's my focus statement, if, if you'd like to call it that. To truly know God's love is to know and love God's Word. I want that to be our, our focus today. To truly know God's love is to know and love God's Word. Now, it may feel a little weird for us to talk about loving a book, right? Right? So, if you're still in school, or maybe we're older and we can remember school, uh, remember they would, at the beginning of the year, hand out all those textbooks, and then you would buy one of these big backpacks and you'd carry them around. And, you know, I, I would keep chiropractors in business with, you know, all of the books I had to carry around. And then in between classes, you'd go to your locker and you'd unload some and you'd load up others and you'd go to classes. And by the end of the year, I did not love those books, I hated those books with a passion and the ones i hated the most were usually the classes or the books that i didn't see any way i was ever going to apply it to my life and so if if we look at the bible in that way we're not going to love scripture right if we look at the bible as a textbook as only a rule book as something that just lays burdens on me or something that doesn't even apply to my life we're not going to understand what it means to be affectionate toward it. So if that's, if that's where you struggled maybe, I just want to bring you a helpful challenge this morning. That, that I don't want you seeing scripture as that, that textbook or just a rule book. I want you to see it as a gift from God to you to reveal himself to us, his church, so that we would know his love and that we would know him and love him in return. Amen? So we're going to anchor here in 2 Timothy 3, and from it, I just want to give you three reasons I love the Bible, reasons I think you should love the Bible as well. First, I love the Bible because the Bible is from God. Verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. Now, we were reminded last week by Pastor Ed that these letters of First and 2 Timothy were written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy, a pastor in Ephesus. And one of the challenges that Timothy was facing in pastoring in this city was it was a pagan city, and so the Christians were having a hard time determining and deciphering what's true, what's false, how they should worship, how they shouldn't. And so Paul is telling Timothy that Scripture is your standard. Scripture is your ally that you go to scripture to answer these questions, and that Timothy as a pastor should be building his life upon scripture and building his church into scripture. One of the reasons Paul says this is important is because the Bible is breathed out by God. What a beautiful description. The only place we see that phrase in the Bible. and It tells us a few things. It tells us first that the origin of Scripture is from God. The words of the Bible are the words of God. It tells us also the method in which God delivered it, that He breathed it out. In the Greek, that's pneuma, the word for spirit. So even now we see that the Holy Spirit is involved in inspiring the biblical writers to write down Scripture. And then, third, this, this phrase tells us how much of the Bible is God's Word. All of it, Old Testament and New Testament, all of it is God's word to be our trusted authority. What we live by, what we teach, what we believe. Now let me give you an excerpt from our statement of faith that describes this. All of scripture is breathed out by God, being accurately delivered through various human authors by the inspiration and sovereign agency of the Holy Spirit. We therefore receive the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments as the perfect, infallible, and authoritative Word of God. Amen. Now remember, language is God's idea. He created it. And one of the very first things we learn about God in Scripture is that when He speaks, things happen. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. God created the universe with words. And when creation was completed, God didn't stop using words. In fact, God not only created, but he wanted to commune and communicate with his people through words. And so we read how he spoke to Abraham and he spoke to Moses and he spoke to the prophets. And from what God spoke, he instructed faithful men under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to record what he said and revealed. That is the Bible. And one of the reasons that God wanted this recorded is so that we would not forget. So that every generation would know for sure what God said. 1 Thessalonians 2 puts this beautifully. It says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. So I love the Bible, and I want you to love the Bible, because it comes from God given to us. That God would love us that much to reveal to us himself, to write down his promises that we wouldn't forget. That in our times of anxiety or grief or fear or confusion, that we could open up the pages of God's word and we could hear him speak directly to us. What a kind God we serve. We love God's word because it's from God. Secondly, I love the Bible because the Bible reveals God to us and his salvation for us in Christ. Back up to verses 14 and 15 again. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." We know that God reveals himself in general ways to every human being. Romans 1 talks about how we can observe what's created. We can observe nature and have a general awareness of God. Theologians call that general revelation. But there's something different that's called specific or special revelation. Where God, it's not just a general knowledge of him where people may or may not acknowledge him, but to his own God reveals himself, reveals his nature, reveals his will and salvation in Christ in specific detail so that we will trust in him and live for him. That special revelation is God's word. We get specific details to know God and how to live for him. Why did God do that? Well, Because he loves us. And he wants us to know him and love him. Again, from our statement of faith, it says this. God both creates and governs through his words and has graciously revealed himself to humanity in order to commune with us and that we might come to a fuller knowledge of his character and will, learning what is necessary for salvation and life. As we're wanting to grow in our love for God's word, it's important we recognize God's word is necessary. It's not optional. It's necessary for us to know who God is and how to be saved. And as it's necessary, it's also sufficient, meaning it's enough. You don't need 50 volumes of someone explaining it. Teaching can be helpful, but God's word is sufficient all by itself. The Bible is perfect in that it does not contradict itself, nor does it contain error in the original manuscripts. The Bible is clear, which means, with the help of the Holy Spirit, anyone can read the Bible and know how to be saved and how to live to please God. And the Bible is authoritative. Our statement of faith puts it this way. Scripture alone is our supreme And final authority and the rule of faith and life. The scriptures must not be added to or taken away from. And all creeds, confessions, teachings, and prophecies are to be tested by the final authority of God's word. Amen to that. Consider the amazing fact of the Old Testament and New Testament. How God took 40 different authors... To write 66 different books or letters over a span that went beyond 1,500 years, and all of them cohesive in some way in different facets, pointing forward to God's plan of redemption in Jesus Christ pointing forward to our need for a savior, pointing forward to even minute details of the coming of Christ or the life or death and resurrection of Christ or his soon coming kingdom. All of these things cohesive in God's word. There was a time, and maybe you can relate, where I read the Bible when I was younger as just this confusing collection of disconnected fairy tales. That's what it felt like. And when God saved me and then is growing me in him, and I began to see, wait a minute, there's a theme here. It's almost like watching a movie that you're really lost and confused and you just lose interest. You're like, forget it. It's not worth it. But when you pick up on that one hint, that one thing that connects everything, oh, now it's got you. That's the way it was for me in scripture. Maybe you felt that too. When you saw Jesus is the center of it. Jesus is the storyline of the whole Bible. And seeing that helps us see, oh, there's purpose behind this. Jesus is revealing himself. It's not just about David fighting Goliath. No, no, I see a picture of Jesus in every story. Jesus himself, all through the Gospels, points back to written scripture to show his disciples and others who he is. One example where he says, or the Bible says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets... He, Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself, Luke 24. Why do I love the Bible? Because it's God's gift to us, where God reveals himself and his plan of salvation in Jesus. And third, I love the Bible because it empowers us to live for Christ and to help others live for Christ. Verse 16 again. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. That means useful, beneficial. Real time, real life. For what? The Bible says for teaching. We can go to the Bible all by ourselves and God can teach us through his word. Pastors and teachers can teach us from scripture, and the church, Christians can help each other learn from God's word. The Bible's useful for reproof. That's to refute what is false. That's to uh, warn us against false teaching or cause us to be sober or help us to see the difference in truth and error. And It says it's useful for correction. Now that's the positive side of reproof. So God's word not only warns us against what's wrong, but he reveals to us what is right and how to walk that out. The word here, correction, literally means someone who has fallen down is being picked back up. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what Jesus does for us? and how God uses his word in our lives, that, that we fall, we, we get confused, we fail, but we can go to his word, and he picks us back up. He reminds us of his love and forgiveness. And it says, and for training in righteousness, verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul summarizing what he's saying here, that, that the Bible is God's word given to us to know what it means to be in right standing with the Father through faith in Christ, but also what it means to live out that right standing in everyday life. God's word completes us and equips us not only to live lives that was pleasing to God for ourselves or for our own lives, but to help others live that kind of life as well. Our statement of faith says it this way. As we devote ourselves to God's word, we commune with God himself and are fortified in faith, sanctified from sin, strengthened in weakness, and sustained in suffering by his unchanging revelation in scripture. This is no, uh, no secret to you, but that's why as a church, we want everything we do to be built into God's word and emanate out of God's word and specifically a focus on the gospel. That's why we preach messages expounding from God's word, saying what God has already said. That's why the songs that we, that we choose to sing are songs explicit about gospel truth or <clears throat> scripture itself put to music. That's why the kids' classes and our kids' curriculum focuses on God's word and teaches our kids from an early age to put their trust in the God of the Bible. That's why in adult classes that we've offered and will continue to offer, that we want to teach one another how to understand God's word and apply it to our lives. And that's why your pastors, when we counsel, we don't want to offer our own wisdom. We want to go to God's word and build each other into that and apply gospel truths to areas of our lives, particularly when we're going through difficult times. It's because there's no greater resource of truth There's no better place to go for encouragement. There's no higher authority for us to appeal to but the Bible, God's word. And everything we do as a church, everything we live as Christians should be coming through the focus and the application and through the power of God's word in our lives. It might not be a big deal to you, but sometimes it just blows me away when I I'll sit even by myself and to read these words aloud, and to stop and realize, I'm, I'm hearing, even if it's my own voice, I'm hearing the very words of God. You know, one of the most common prayers for Christians is, "Lord, speak to me. He has. And He does. If you need to hear God speak, I just challenge you, sit down and read Scripture aloud. The Bible even says it's a blessing. When we read scripture aloud, either by ourselves or together. And when the, per, the, the word is rightly preached, it's meant for us to hear God speaking to us. His will, his love, his plan, his encouragement for us in ways that our encouragement in ourselves, we, we can never measure up to. Now church, you, you're no stranger to the gospel. You're no stranger to the importance of scripture. But one of the reasons it's important for us to hear this again is we are leaky vessels, aren't we? We forget. We hear a sermon that may move us in that moment and we forget maybe before the day is out. We read a scripture that morning and it really does impact us, but then when the time of trial comes, it boom, it's gone from our minds. We forget. And God knows that we're prone to forget, and so he gives us the gift of his word that we're not limited to what we can remember but we have it right here written down so that it's clear and we can remind one another. Now, if this sounds strange to you, when I say I love God's word and reasons I love God's word, there's some real application that can be helpful. And there's something that happened in my sabbatical that I just, I want to share with you that I hope will be a help to you. As, as I'm grown in Christ and as I'm dealing with my own struggles and my own heart's issues God began to reveal some things over the last few months that just brought some conviction. And one of those things is, over the many years I've been a pastor and preparing sermons, it, it's, it's often that I would fall into that temptation of doing sermon prep, being in God's Word to prepare to preach to you on a Sunday, and almost assume many times that that's my time in God's Word for my own soul. Now, there's a balance because I truly want whatever I'm going to preach to you, I want it to hit me first. So there's an application of that. But where God convicted me was too often I was letting that take the place of just an intimate time with God in his word just for my heart. And so over my sabbatical, I, I started praying differently. I started reading scripture differently. I even got a version of scripture, a reader's Bible, they call it, where it doesn't have verses So I'm not measuring how much I'm reading. I'm just reading it as the letter that it was written to be. And so just to give you, you don't have to follow this, but just to give you an example, I'll usually start my mornings after I do my my Bible class with Chloe first thing in the morning, is I'll go be alone, find a quiet place, usually my office. I'll have a closed Bible on my lap. And I'll just stop and I'll take a moment before I say anything or read anything. I'll just take a moment and I'll meditate. I'll think on aspects of God's nature. Maybe it's God's sovereignty. Maybe it's His mercy. I'll think on those things. And I'll think about my salvation in Jesus that I didn't wake up that morning having to wonder if I'm still loved. And I just let that kind of wash over my heart. Wherever wherever I'm distracted or wherever I'm just cold, I let God warm my heart and my mind, just thinking of Him. And then I open my mouth, I begin to pray. And what I found helpful for me is I start following Jesus' pattern in the Lord's Prayer. I'll start off by saying, Lord, you're holy. Lord, you're worthy. God, I just thank you that you're good and you're faithful and you're, you're patient with me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I just rejoice and I worship in who he is, some of the very things I was just meditating on. And then I'll say, Lord, as I open your word this morning, would you speak to me? Help me see you. Help me apply this to my life. And then I open the Bible. Some people ask me, well, how much do you read? Well, I like keeping up with the Bible reading plan and and being able to participate in D groups, but that's not my main goal. I read until I feel God has spoken, and I want to focus on that. Sometimes I'll try to memorize a certain passage. Other times I'll close the Bible after reading for a while, and I'll just stop and I'll pray through what I just read. I'll pray through that. That helps get into my heart. Lord, I just read this, how how faithful you are or how we should watch out for wolves. Lord, I just, I wanna thank you. And so I rejoice in his word. I pray that that'll be applied to my heart. And then I usually end by praying for the needs of others and praying for my own needs. Again, that's not a pattern that you have to follow. I'm just saying that's an example of how God is working on my heart, that this is, is not some box to check in the mornings. This is not some textbook rule book. I better do this to be a good pastor. I want to do this so I don't feel guilty when I go to sleep tonight and, and, oh, it's another day I haven't read God's word. No, I want to grow in love for God's word. I want you to grow in love for God's word because we can see him meeting us in these pages, see him revealing himself, really understand and know and sense his love for us in the middle of such a hostile world. That's how there's a love for God's word that can be cultivated in us. Knowing that Jesus gave you his word so that you would know him, so that he could draw you near to himself. He could remind you of what he did for you. He could remind you of how to live for him right now in this life and also to remind us that this life is not all there is but there's coming a beautiful day where he returns and we will be with him forever. God's word is that encouragement to us. So I close with this this morning. Remember our runner, Mike Cavo. One of the things that's striking to me about that story is he didn't silently peel off and run. He could have. He could have been the only guy to run the right course and finish but he took the time to yell to the other runners. Now, I don't know what was going on in his mind and his heart. I don't know if he was thinking through, wait a minute, I'm actually encouraging my competitors. I could be encouraging the guy who beats me if, if I announce it to them, they're going the wrong way. I don't know. We just know he did. Hey, you're going the wrong way. We could look back at that story and say, wow, only four people followed him. What a waste of time. Or we could say, Wow, four people listened. And they didn't just listen to his words, but Mike was running the right direction and they followed his example. So guys, be ready when we share the gospel, and we should. Preach, teach, evangelize, but be ready to be rejected. Be ready to be insulted. Be ready to be banned from social media. (gasps) Be ready to have someone say, you triggered me with the truth. Be ready to not get that promotion. Be ready to be ostracized. All kinds of first world problems. And God forbid, there may come a day in our country where our lives, our very lives will be on the line. Just north of us in Canada, pastors are being arrested. It's not that far away, guys. My encouragement is not just know this book, Love the God of this book. Depend on Him. He gave this to us because He knew our lives were not going to be easy. He knew the world was not going to love us. Jesus promised us that. And He knew we were going to need power outside of our own will to love Him and live for Him and to tell others about Him. So you be encouraged in the midst of struggle, in the midst of being insulted. Jesus promises when you're insulted for my name, you're blessed my prayer you can join me in that prayer is that the lord would anchor us more deeply in him that we would love him and love his word let's pray lord i thank you for this church i thank you for these people i thank you for each one of them and even the testimony we heard this morning every one of us has a certain testimony way that you've met us in your word. Lord, I pray that would deepen. I pray that our affection for you in your word would deepen, that, Lord, you would, you would dismiss the condemnation and the guilt and the shame that we sometimes wrestle with and instead draw us by your love and your grace, that we would be a church anchored in your word and we would be a church passing on this word, that our kids and grandkids would serve you as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.